I'm Maria Hupfield. I'm a visual artist based out of Brooklyn, New York. And I'm loving it here. So <laughs> I'm also, I'm originally from Canada. Um, and I make objects out of industrial felt that I've, I guess, repurposed and reappropriated. And I make new handmade creations that I then activate in different performances. And it really is through these performances that my objects acquire meaning and, um, yeah, kind of evolve. And I make discoveries through and they become alive. So that's a little bit of my work. And I'm originally from Canada, as I said. My parents were both artists. They met at art school and they moved us because they were young parents. We moved back closer to my mom's community, which is Wissaxing First Nation. And I feel like that's kind of like an ideal, idealistic thing to say, mm-hmm. but also in many ways like that. I, for me at the time, maybe it didn't seem so idealistic, right? Like um, living in a small town and... Um, just really being being outdoors a lot, being in the water a lot. Um, I think because my parents were so young, we didn't really have a lot of things. So I made a lot of stuff. And I really was that kid who in school was the one who people were like, oh, you're going to be an artist. You're going to be an artist. Like, look at you. You can draw. <laughs> um, and I didn't really know what that meant. Um Growing up, I didn't even know my parents had gone to art school. Um, they were both like musicians. There's a lot of creativity and talent, I think, in my family and in my home. So I was kind of like loving to get out of there when I got out um, and worked really hard. Um, and I've always kind of been committed to art and my community. What was your pathway? What led you to New York? Well, I say love. Definitely. Absolutely <laughs> love. Um, I mean, I don't think New York is a place where I thought I would ever want to go. Like, it wasn't high on my radar. But once I was here, I'm like, whoa, why did I not come here sooner? I should have been here from, like, day one. The moment I decided I want to be an artist, this was the place to go. Like, because it's so different to see art in person and to have it around daily. I think if I wasn't an artist, I don't think I would really, it would make sense to be here for me. But for sure, my my partner is an artist, and we both, yeah, we met at an art show that we were both in and fell in love, and we're living on dif- different coasts. So, yeah, I have to say love, and, and the love of people. Like, I, I really um, love that, talking with people about ideas, and I feel like the conversations I've been able to have have been so, so fantastic. Mm. Yeah. And what what is your perspective about indigenous presence in New York City? You know, that's a that's a hard one. Um, I feel like no matter where you go, like you can go anywhere in the world, but you really have to know who you are and bring that with you, um, and always remind yourself of that because places have a way of changing you too. So, I mean, if you're here long enough, and you you know you start to become what you're around. So, you know, you always have to kind of get away. And that's a thing, like, 
because I'm married to an artist and we talk about art all the time. That's one of the things that he says often is the best thing about New York is when you come back, um, that feeling like, yeah, I'm back. Mm. Uh, but you had to go away to remember that you were enjoying being here because it gets <laughs> so intense. Indigenous art, there's plenty of Native artists here and there's always Indigenous artists coming through. However, there is not an Indigenous presence. I mean, I think we're really at the heart of the problem. Um, there's a constant, it's something that never goes away in my mind. It's constantly there. Just because by omission, it's not there. Like the MoMA PS1 had an exhibition on protest and art and there was no Native artist in the show. And I'm like, how can that possibly be? They had a show called About America at the Whitney and like Jimmy Durham was the Native artist. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because arguably you guys don't even acknowledge him as being Native, but he's like the Native artist. You know, right here, I'm like, this, if you can get through here, it's so, you know... There, there's nothing stopping you. So there's a lot of work to be done, and we're working at it. Um, but it's not the only conversation. There's many conversations. So, yeah, lots of work to be done. Hmm. This is for all. What are the themes you're currently focusing on and what is inspiring your work currently? Sure. So, well, when I came here, I really was thinking about um, how do I bring all these different parts of my practice together in a way that doesn't make me look schizophrenic and crazy and all over the place. Um, that really is like, that's Maria's work, right? Not that that's Maria's work or many people's work. Um, so I've, I really was looking at ways to um, present my work, to think about um, performance in my work, um, sculpture, my relationship to sculpture. So I was looking everywhere. And there's so much, you know, at that time, there were a lot of exhibitions going on about performance art and the documentation of that. Um, so I would see these shows where it was like the history of performance art, but it was in these like black and white photos. And it was like the most boringest thing I'd ever seen. I'm like, <laughs> this is so like the opposite of performance art. Like here I'm staring at this photo, um, trying to like somehow like experience or think about what that was like. So um, <laughs> photos are pretty magical, but it was a crazy time. So now that I've kind of reconciled or figured that out, how to, fit those pieces together. Um, now I'm really looking at, yeah, I guess a lot around the language of my work um, and specifically what it means. So what I've been doing a lot of is I go places and I do something and then I come back. So there's this idea of, well, how does the work um, tell the story of a place once it returns? Mm. Um, and really embracing in my work references to oral tradition and storytelling um it's one way to look at it but also just the idea of embodying knowledge and how that's transferred through the embodiment 
um, how to be more really present in my body um, because I don't feel like I am enough. And I don't know if that's because I'm getting older and I can feel it, but things like two things I'm missing in my life. Oh my gosh, I'm totally missing like dance and music. Um, Like if you, I did one project where I had to take some piano lessons and I'm like, oh my gosh, when you play piano, you need to breathe. Like, <laughs> like I didn't even think of that. So not only is it like this amazing connection to this instrument that's like creating this beautiful music, but also your breathing. Like it's so good for you in your life to be able to have music and make music mm-hmm. and likewise move um, and not be like static laying on my bed, on my, you know, computer doing more artist applications and all of that stuff, editing photos, all that other work. Um, yeah. And how do you, um, how do you manage all that back end stuff of being an artist? It just seems like more and more that conversation is coming up with the amount of like being on a computer and filling out grants and applications. Like, mm-hmm. how do you deal with that? Totally. Like, I don't know what happened where suddenly the buck was passed to people everywhere. So now it's like everything, like whether it's signing a letter, you used to get things mailed to you and then you get a return envelope to mail it back. Now it's like you have to like scan and do all these, you know, things. I mean, actually, last year, maybe I had to scan. This year, I can like, I don't have to scan. I can just open it up in a program and insert my signature. So um, I guess... What it, I'm just constantly reminded. So my dad later in his life, um, later in his life, he became a boat builder. And now he's like this master boat builder. And one of the things he says about building boats and custom woodwork is that 90% of building a boat is sanding, where you're sanding the boat. So I'm like, holy cow. So that's like my parallel as a visual artist. I'm like, I'm like sanding the boat right now as I'm like writing an application. I think there's so many artists today. Um, you know, we're in different times. There's with art schools and enrollment increases. Um, we, I think we're really feeling that um, pressure of like, numbers where there's just a lot of really good artists who are coming at art for all kinds of different reasons so I guess that it's maybe good because it makes me think about it as a business like I need an assistant I really I really need (laughs) Uh, and also being from Canada I'm like well I want an assistant that I can pay so um, there's a lot of economics around it too right and then, oh my gosh, not only do I need materials for my art supplies, I also need materials to document my work and to have the, the laptop so it doesn't, yeah, full on. It has to be a laptop because you're traveling all the time and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a really interesting place that um, artists are at right now because, like you said, the, the there's so many people out in the world right now so many people creating and how how do you stay focused how do you not um get kind of distracted or maybe like have ideas permeate your artistic bubble or do you or do you use inspiration from other artists or places what's what's the way you navigate that 
Oh my gosh. I have so many ideas. Uh, I don't have a shortage of ideas. Like that's not like I wake up and I'm like, I have an idea. This is what we do. <laughs> uh, so, so much of, for me, making work um, is always, uh, it really is a part of like my whole core being. Like I'm always, it's not like I'm, I schedule a, a time and set it aside and say, now I'm going to work on art. I think about art. It's always kind of at the table in some kind of way. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. Is that, or am I just thinking that's how I like to think of it? But um, <laughs> a lot of the time, like my ideas come when I'm not even, when I'm just doing regular things, like when I'm riding the subway. So the subway is like the best time for me because I have to be really conscious and thinking. Um, and I, I found if I don't wear headphones, if I don't tune out, if I'm really, really there, then I can have like some of the best kind of connections. And I think because the subway is so busy, like it's just, there's a lot of energy, a lot of things there that I'm able to um, kind of have those connections in a, in a way that wouldn't happen otherwise. Similarly, like when you're sleeping or when you're in the shower or if you're riding a bike, like all those times are when um, magic can really take place. And I think you need, that's why, although arguably they say artists don't need studios because we're still mobile and all those things. But in actuality, I think you really do need a place to have things around you so that you can just sit with your art. You can just look at it and you can just kind of come back to it even if it's just like you're sitting there with a coffee or something looking at your work that time's super important too let's talk about the pro the recent project that you're working on um sight lines if you wouldn't mind breaking down what you're doing with that so i totally just returned like maybe two weeks ago from santa fe where i made this beautiful video um and the project i'm working on for sight lines is called it's never just about sustenance or pleasure. And um, I've worked with, I just started working with different um, video-based artists who have um, been helping me to make these videos or who I've been hiring to make the videos. So it's a new kind of relationship for me. Um, but I was working with this artist who's based in New York, um, Julie Nyman. So great, so good. Met her through the AIM program you know, hit it off. So we went and made this really gorgeous video. And what I did was for this work, it's a commission. It's very much about like the whole situation of Santa Fe and artists and being from another territory and being in this place that is so alien to me and foreign. So I made these ridiculous, like industrial felt gloves that are based on like these moose hide um, hunting mitts that maybe, uh, I guess the closest association for me is like something you wear when you're like on a snowmobile, like these hardcore mitts. And then I made these big boots um, that are kind of stuck. Well, they're basically like hip waders. And in my mind, it was like this comical, ridiculous exaggeration. And I made these objects and went to Santa Fe, found a location and basically had encounters with the environment there. And everything was mediated through this, this material, the industrial felt. So all of that to say, um, I'm really from this gorgeous place myself on Georgian Bay, this beautiful island my mom's family's from. Um, you know, we weren't financially wealthy, but we had like a wealth of other riches. Mm. 
and the resources. And so the thing about being from a beautiful place like that, um, in Georgian Bay, like it really is a bay, like there's lots of fresh water, there's water everywhere. Um, and it's lots of exposed rock and really um, elemental, like four distinct seasons. Um, and that really is, I think, in me, like so much. I, I wake up and I'm like, I need to go for a swim. And I'm like, okay, I'm not swimming in the Hudson. Like, I'm not. Um, but for Santa Fe, um, my encounters of it in the times that I've been there really is to go to a place as an outsider in a new place, in a, in a different place person's territory but also to be coming from a place where there was a lot of tourism so our population would change so we'd have a lot of wealthy people coming in who had cottages and who would kind of basically you know become part of that environment in the summer and so I was thinking about landscape and the way that landscape changes over time and our relationship to our environment. So that was really where the title, like, it's never just about sustenance or pleasure, comes from, like, pointing to these ideas of, in some people's mind, um, a gun could be about recreation, right? And then in another person's mind, a gun can be about um, cultural livelihood. Um, so there's so many different um, dualities that are constantly happening um so the way we see those things kind of changes mm. so i'll be i've made this work it's um i've been negotiating how it's being exhibited so like fingers crossed that works out i think it's gonna be it's super great team there um and then i'm gonna go and then perform in the gallery so again then it's like thinking about okay, now I'm not, I'm not in that location. Now I'm in like this, like the clean gallery box, right? Um, having to negotiate other artwork that's around and in proximity with me. So the, the last element that I haven't mentioned is that I've been working with like two by fours <laughs> as a space structure. So I also have like two by fours that'll be um, part of the performance and also part of the display and the display structure. So... Yeah, I'm pretty pretty excited about it. Um, I like this idea of looking like I'm capable, right? Like things are in construction, things are like underway, and we're gonna get the job done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're also documenting the performance too. So, and I think that's gonna be insane because it's gonna be opening there's gonna be a lot of bodies in the gallery and you know the thing about like galleries they're not made for bodies they're made for art so it's gonna be um pretty fantastic i'm looking forward to it interpret the hashtag call response project and your role in its conception and as a participating artist okay so hashtag call response really is like this 
beautiful love child. Um, it's so, it's like my dream project. It's like, if I'm going to do something, um, this is what I want to do for this, you know, this time. And it really, it really came Tara and Tanya, um, two people whose work I respect and had been in touch with. Um, and I think this is generally the way I work. And I think a lot of artists work this way too, right? Where, um, so much of your work is about relationship building and trust. And so hashtag call response came out of ongoing discussions where we knew we wanted to work together, but how did we want to work together? Um, and in what way, you know, were we going to be artists or curators? How are we going to do this? So we knew we we're going to, it came down to, okay, we're going to be artists and we're going to oversee the project and we're going to invite some other artists to be involved too. Um, and from there, it just kind of, like, opened right up. Um, there's so many... There's just this whole history of exhibitions with Native artists where they're these kind of ghettoizing massive group shows, and they just... You're kind of, like, interchangeable, right? It's like, even though you, you're like, I'm making this very specific kind of work. This is, like, my work. It's, this is Maria Huffield's work. This is my work. And But you got kind of get, like like a trading card kind of rustled through with other artists. It's like, okay, well, if Rebecca can't do it and Cheryl can't do it, then maybe we'll ask Maria. And if she can't do it, then maybe we'll ask. So I, we really wanted to get away from that model and have a show where it was a smaller group of artists and it was more discipline-based. And in this case, um, performance just felt so perfect because it really is about action and doing work. And from there, there's so many artists who are already working in their communities um, and making, like, really, really um, doing good, good work where they are around culture and art. And so we said rather than sort of asking an artist or an art star to kind of do a project with us, why don't we just cast a light on someone who's already doing this kind of work and mm. acknowledge their work and enable their work to continue going. And so that was kind of the thinking behind it. So in that way, how can an exhibition through its very creation and the way it's um, executed help build community and do work as well, right? So it's not just about like, here's the, the work on the wall. Like it really is about interaction. So that was at the heart of it for me. I think that also came um, in my experience from a lot of the shows and the people I had met here in Brooklyn, where um, I think I had, although I always felt like I was an artist interacting with other artists that in Canada, it was possible to feel isolated and that culturally isolated too, um, through identity because the country's so big and people are so spread out. So you might be the only artist doing your thing in your region, but you, how often do you get to like connect and have discussion with other artists about your work and be shown alongside them? So I think that was what we were, at least my intention around call response as a performance driven um, project was to really do that. Mm. Yeah. Can you describe your project as artist? Sure. So there's a lot of components to the overall 
exhibition, right? And I think in many ways, probably with a lot of exhibitions, things that unseen work. So moving forward, if I could do anything, like for, right away, I'm like, well, who's my community? And I'm like, well, we'll go back to Canada. And it, it came right down to um, that there's people here in New York who I'm connected with and that I want to work with them. And, and then also, I think as with a lot of good projects, um, and also in the way that my own practice is, I often have questions, and it's really through the doing and in the making that I am able to um, research and find the information I need and make the, and have, I guess, realize what I, where I'm going. So I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, but I... I knew I wanted to bring people together and I wanted to have conversations. So when Bado got in touch with us about doing something, we were talking about different projects we were working on. I was talking with Shannon at Bado and as we were talking, we're like, Oh, I love your project. I love your project. Like just this way of working where you're kind of approaching a project, not from, I want you to do this, but rather how can we help you do the work that you're doing? So when she got in touch with me about monomyths and I could do anything I wanted, I said, well, if I'm going to be in a show or performing and Ursula's there and Cheryl are there, my performance is going to be, we're going to have a discussion. We're going to have a public discussion. Like we're putting that on the record. Like that, that is happening and we're connecting. So that was sort of the seed um, because there, I had a lot of questions around ideas of reconciliation. So right away, I'm like reading all this information. I had already, you know, heard so much about it, um, what was happening in Canada. And I wanted to understand that. I wanted to understand that as someone who's living outside of the nation state of Canada, right? And in another nation state that historically allowed Native or Indigenous people to go back and forth. And in fact, I li- I'm able to live in the USA because they honor the uh, early treaty, the Jay Treaty, which acknowledges that Native people went back and forth prior to the founding of the nation. Canada doesn't work that way, though, unfortunately. (laughs) Canada does not honor any treaty for Native people, um, nation to nation, So, but the U.S. does, um, which is pretty amazing. So, uh, So that's sort of where I started. And then coming up or I don't know by the time this airs I'll it'll probably have already happened I'll be um have done another what I'm calling post performance conversation action and this time it will be with Alanisa Bomsalin who's this amazing um documentary filmmaker from Quebec who has just made you know I'm like okay if I have one chance to sit down who am I gonna sit down with in Montreal I'm like I need to, you know, I've met her a few times before and I'm I'm like, I need to like sit with her and have this like intergenerational kind of connection across disciplines. Um, I think because a lot of her work really is dealing with um, Indigenous voices and looking at institutions and how we can kind of like create space within those institutions for fundamental change. Mm that really comes from, you know, uh, trust building with the community and the approaches that she makes. So that'll be the next one. And this is kind of building up to my final performance, which will happen in New York. And I'm sort of 
figuring out a few of those pieces. So I'm not going to give it all away, although <laughs> it's all kind of, I have it primarily because it's dependent on, I'm going after a few extra dollars. So if that money comes in, that will be fantastic. If it doesn't, it's happening anyway. Um, and it'll be really good too. But looking at a performance action that happens in New York, working with other um, indigenous artists here. Mm, so you're, so are you clear yet on who your respondent will be for that final piece? <laughs> Is it a secret? Well, I, uh, they have confirmed. And so, so one of the things, and they will let you know, they'll get in touch with you, Ginger. Okay. Um, are you in touch with them? That'll be the follow up email. So, um, one of the things about a lot of the artists performance art community here in Brooklyn is that we, I mean, I've been traveling a lot, so I've been less involved, but recently, but it's possible that performance artists can perform quite regularly. And in this way that you see each other's work, you know, each other, um, and we push each other to like create really good work. So that's something I hadn't had at this level and it, the performances happen regardless like it's not um, funding dependent it really is about just like making work making really good work and um, so a lot of the artists I know tend to get together and work in collectives and those collectives are can be fluid so it will be some artists I know who are working in one of the one of the many collectives uh, <laughs> that is kind of fluid and they will do a response and they'll do a response after the other action happens. So they'll witness the performance I do, and then they'll have an opportunity to create whatever they want, however they want. Not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be a performance, but they'll create something in response to it. And then that will be their contribution. I feel like you still didn't give anything away. <laughs> Very good job. <laughs> so it's well it's been crazy because I feel like almost like anywhere else, if I was almost anywhere else, I could go and be like, this is where it's gonna be and this is what it's gonna be. But in this case, because of how do you position position this content in New York where there isn't you know, space being opened up for these conversations. So there's a lot of back work I've had to do, talking with other artists, talking with spaces, finding the right space. Um, and also because what we're also calling upon with call response is that the spaces we're working with, much in keeping with Grunt Gallery, are spaces that have a history of working with Native artists and a commitment to us and an ongoing commitment. So it's not that I'm looking for just any old space. Like, it really is a space where I'm saying, what have you done before? Are you willing to do this now? And after we do this, are you going to do more work afterwards? And so that's um, been a lot of kind of groundwork. And I think after after we do the exhibition, after everything's done, people will more easily be, uh, as is the, the case, right? Mm. Be open to, and probably say, oh, you could have done it here. Oh, we would have loved it. Why didn't you suggest? <laughs> but, uh, you know, at the time, where were you? Uh, yeah. So how do you interpret the term reconciliation? Right. So 
Reconciliation. Well, my gathering of the term reconciliation, um, well, (laughs) some kind of um, um, diplomatic answer. (laughs) Really that, okay, so reconciliation, what is being asked, right, with reconciliation is, it's a, it's a tough thing because we're really, what's really, it's so much in the past, right? Like everything's in the past with Native people. And it's like, well, what about our present? What about our lived experience today? What about the consequences of that history? What about the fact that social services, um, so many of our children are living have been apprehended by social services are living in foster care as a result. Like there's real lived, you know, bullshit around all of that, um, that you can't escape. And I think reconciliation is asking us to forgive the past without looking at the consequences of that history. So if we're really looking at, I guess, what Hashe call response is about or what the work is, you know, what is it at the end of the work and the way that we work and why we do what we do. It's also really about um, accountability and responsibility, right? So seeing things through and you need to have trust, you need to have ongoing relationships for that. So those are the values that are at the core for me around the work that I do and really wanting wanting it and not in a way that's a theoretical academic argument right it's not about i need to make this point so i can get published and have a career it's about like there's real real issues there's real lives at stake um, and consequences that need to be dealt with that's not about money reconciliation (laughs) Uh, the whole process for us i think has been between us and amongst each other, really breaking that down and wanting to think about that and figure it out and position it. Um, Because of where I live, uh, I felt a lot of pressure and do feel a responsibility around how does that look outside of Canada? What does that mean in another location? How can we um, gain accomplices in other nations to help do the work that we need to do? And do you feel that your impression of reconciliation has changed through the course of work on the hashtag call response project? Well, absolutely. I mean, for sure that with so many projects, like it really is through doing the work that you can kind of make those connections. I could come in and say, oh, yeah, this sounded like a good idea to me, too. Right. Like reconciliation. um, Everyone wants everything to be, you know on the table we want to be able to talk about things we want recognition but recognition on whose terms Mm. so yes i mean the discussions i'm having too um as is the case with a lot of things i think you it affirms or it debunks or you know our challenges in many many ways um yeah yeah are there any last reflections you'd like to share regarding the hashtag call response project? Well, I have to say one of the things that's been really good is um, because all the projects that are happening, they're happening in different places all over, right? All over Canada. 
Um, some of them have started to happen and some haven't, but having the opportunity to like connect and talk and hear each other talk. I mean, even through this podcast has been so fantastic because it's so rare that we really get the time to get to the place where you're talking about the substance of what you're doing. Um, so that's been great. And I'm really looking forward to the, to when the show opens in October in Vancouver for all of us to be there, to be able to like, here's our work, here's what we've been doing. And to just kind of like, by be, have this united presence together that really um, makes it even stronger. back at this moment in the history of art or indigenous art and music and performance um what do you hope your impact will have been well i think my impact will just be yeah maria's that anishinaabe woman who moved to new york i mean i think it'll be really as simple as that and in being that is accomplishing so many things if i think back for myself I didn't know anyone in New York. Now that I'm here, I've met so many people, and they, they're like, oh, yeah, I have family here. Oh, yeah, I come through all the time. Or all these people came out of the woodwork, and they're like, oh, yeah, I lived there for two years. Or I lived there for a few years. I'm like, I didn't know that. It was so far out of my scope. Like, it wasn't even on my radar. I was like, big city, Toronto. Like, that's the big city. Like, <laughs> not that I needed to be in the big city. Not at all. But I'm like, I'm going to go learn art, you know, about this thing, art, that everyone's been telling me my whole life is what I am and what I know and do. So. Hmm. And um, what keeps you fascinated as an artist? How do you keep your trajectory how do you keep going when you kind of feel like you've lost your spark oh man well I guess you're kind of catching me at a time where I feel like I'm like burning so bright right like I'm just going I'm just going um and I'm more myself than I've ever been and have been able or allowed to be um I gave a talk at the at a school here in New York, and I had a student ask me, said, well, has anyone ever told you no? Like, has anyone ever said no? And I was thinking about it, and um, I don't know if my answer was so right, because I was like, yeah, no one's told me no. But in actuality, I think there's been barriers every step of the way. And, um, you know, whether it's people, you know, I was always told I was so good at art. People were always giving me children to watch and look after. And, you know, that's great, too. You know, I love kids and family. Um, but the thing that really keeps me um, from feeling disillusioned is just that I'm really making um, the work that's true to me and doing what I need to do, the work that I need to do as Maria. Um, and it's not about looking for other people or um, other people's approval or influence, but it's that it's the work I've 
feel like I've been born to do and have always done. And if you were to talk to like seven year old Maria, she'd be like, that's great. I love that. I made that. That's so good. That's something I would totally do. I would want to do. And I think that's in the end, um, you know, you make a lot of tough decisions and it takes a lot of hard, hard work. And if you're going to put that effort into something, make sure it's something you really, you know, love and that's for you um, without compromise. So I don't feel um, I'm doing it on my terms. So in the end, I'm the one who has to look at myself and say, this is how I wanted to do it. I did it, you know, this way. This is how, who I am. And it's, it's so true. That's still like, I'm the kid that sat sideways in her high chair, learned to walk. And the next day, tried, you know, broke her arm because she's like trying to get out of the high chair. Who <laughs> the bike, who like fell in the fire. Like, you know, that's totally... Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and has there been any like um, advice that's resonated with you throughout your life or perhaps throughout your career that keeps coming back and kind of pushing you along in those in those lower points that you might be able to share? Well, hmm. I, mean, I feel like there's a lot that a lot of things. I guess the main thing is that no matter what, you know, Things happen, <laughs> good things, not so good things, and um, you get through it. You know, things can be really, really hard. Um, you know, I can think about times in my life where I had really hard things happen and things where you felt like you couldn't possibly recover. And you just, I don't think some things get easier, but you can learn to manage, right, um, and understand. So I think information information is good. Get the facts. Be responsible for the choices you make, right? Be like, yeah, I made that choice. Maybe it wasn't a good choice. Okay, I learn. I move on. I grow. Life, right? Life happens. Yeah. I don't know if that's like one thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a, a broad collection of um, advice probably that's filtered in throughout your life. And that's yeah. awesome. That's so important to remember, you know, that we we are totally capable of moving out of that trauma or that hard space, you know. And, and I think art is a really good way to process trauma like personally for me what I've experienced um and do you do you find art to be helpful in that way to help you move into like a more positive space in your life you know I was just watching this TED talk where the woman was um talking about power stances like if you hold a power stance in time you will become powerful yes <laughs> But I also really do believe that it's a lot of, like, if you believe, you know, um, confidence goes a long way. Um, I, I guess going back to your earlier question, I think positivity has really helped me. I know it sounds so terrible or, like, so kind of, like, positivity, stay positive. And that's not really what I mean. I mean, like, keeping people around you who have who are coming from a good place and who believe in you really makes a difference right so if you're hanging around people who are like oh man it's so terrible it's so down then that's gonna bring you down too like and i 
feel like I feel that kind of energy too. Like, so I know there's some people where it can really, you know, you accelerate each other and you make it worse or you can make it really, really good. And I really want, you know, focus on making it really, really, um, like have the strength and the courage to, to have your power and, so that would probably be the most new agey <laughs> kind of way of putting it. <laughs> awesome. And I mean, your your work, it's not always super positive necessarily in its approach. You know, it's dealing with some heavy subject matter in the, in the subtext and stuff. And so how does how do you filter that positivity through your through your work? Uh, well, I guess it's just knowing that I can do something, um, wanting to feel like I, I can do it, right? Like I am able and I can, if I don't like it, I'll change it. Um, mm. which really does come from things like, um, like I played a lot of sports. I was very athletic and also through, uh, through Skype, but as you know, you remember me, it's hard to tell, but I'm a tall woman as well. So, um, I think my stature and my athleticism has any, and being a part of like, um, group sports has allowed me to really, has helped me to be someone who feels really, um, who's become really disciplined and really committed to things to be good at what they do. Because I'm, you know, if I'm working defense, you're not getting that ball by me, right? Like, (laughs) you know, I'm going to like, Oh, I can drive the ball really far. You can count on me. You know, it's not getting through Rhea or past her, and she's going to, like, clear it out <laughs> into the other end. So I think those are the um, the things that help. <laughs> <laughs> those are the things. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so this is your soapbox moment. If you could say one thing to the world using this as your platform, what would it be? I like how you (laughs) asked that question. Uh, That's so simple for me. And more and more these days, um, I just have to like say to every time, every time I meet an artist, I'm like, especially if you're a woman, especially um, that, and a a minority woman, (laughs) right? Um, To take care of your body. Um, really, really take care of yourself as best you can, like take care of yourself so well, like make sure you're, you, you eat, make sure you, um, have, have, um, do everything you can so that I think for a lot of us, our moments come later in life and we want to be there for that. And if you take care of yourself now, you're going to be there and you can like, Get around and enjoy it. Wabazi kwe nendation cause wabaje jin do dam wasaksi netonjaba. Mother names Wabazi and Martin Clan um, from Wasaksi First Nation. Thank you. Why did you separate me from the earth? Oh my. Why did you separate me from the earth? 
forest of Borneo Buyer water in your mouth I don't want your future Now I'll never return I'll be born into the past I'm never, never coming home Why did you separate me, me from the earth? Who did you thanks again? Why did you separate me from the Ready to go The picture can sticky me The sea life cut with plastic Why cross killed it gold A case of white doves Laying in the boiling snow A sharp knife of concrete The blue line of tuna's throat I don't want your future I'm never, never coming home I don't want your future I'll be born before you're born Why did you separate Me, me from the earth What did you have to gain? 